Hello, everybody. This is Joshua Hatton with One Nation Under Whiskey Podcast. I'm joined today, and I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, my business partner, Jason Three Names, Dram Golf, <laughs> short-haired, white-haired, golfer, lover of sandwiches, lover of sandwiches nefarious, lustful, Boo. <laughs> <laughs> with the good, the, the ever-wonderful Jason Johnston Yellen. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Always lovely to be here. I, I For a, a millisecond, I thought you were going to go with the ever young Jason Johnston Yellen, <laughs> but you you did not allow yourself that. Can, so can the ask, evergreen. Can, can, uh, ever white. Can I ask a question of you? Um, oh, of me. Okay. Well, no, need, I'm not uh, asking a favor of you. I'm, I'm asking a question of you. A question of because me. Because I, I did say that you were uh, the person voted most likely to eat a sandwich. <laughs> but my question to you is going through whatever you would call high school in Scotland. What is high school called in Scotland? Uh, oh gosh, now I'm really on the spot. Um, well, I went to Carrick Academy and so Academy was the high school portion of that. What kind of Academy? Carrick. That was the name of the region. Uh, Carrick uh, Academy. Okay. Carrick Academy. So... In graduating there or going through there, right? I, I imagine you had a yearbook. Did you have like a... I was editor of the school yearbook. Okay. So did you have... The very first time it was ever offered. The position was offered and you took it up? First time the yearbook was ever offered at our school. Oh, okay. Oh, interesting. That's very interesting. If that just isn't a thing in Scotland? Just, you know, no yearbooks? H- hadn't been, that was what... <laughs> We had made it as far as 1991 slash 92 without it. And then it, then it happened. Okay, so here this in the... This is good stuff. This is top shelf material here. <laughs> top shelf. Well, the reason I'm asking is, uh-huh. you know, I we went... We should go back to sandwiches. <laughs> uh, for my high school yearbook, uh, I was the class clown, right? And so you had... You had the two couple that were voted, you know, the prettiest, the most handsome, the smartest, the, you know. Did you just say the two couple? Didn't you say the two people? The two couple? No, the two people. Did I say the two <laughs> okay, couple? You might have said the two couple. Yeah, Carry on. Yeah. Anyway, I don't want to derail this fascinating story. <laughs> so, yes. My point is, and, I, and, and the more I talk, the more I realize this is getting less and less interesting. Um, simply because you're making it harder and harder for me to just ask my damn question. You are welcome. You are. I don't. I. I think the question has passed. I don't think this is a lead up to a question. None shall pass, Jason. So, did you have in your yearbook like you know the these people are voted no. most likely for this, voted least likely for that? You didn't have that. No. No, it was it was really just a retelling, a recapping of the school year. So yeah. it was photographs of all the various years in the school. Um, it was the sports that was going on. It was any charitable things that had been happening over the last year. Potentially photos of the teachers. I think we just went with a group photo of the teachers. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to interact with the teachers one on one to get a portrait of them. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was it was a lot of work, and I wasn't particularly good at it, and uh, I procrastinated a lot. Oh, that really yeah. checks out. And uh, and I remember the night before the deadline, uh, my very good friend Shirley 
who I was dating at the time, and her mother, who I wasn't, uh, were both feverishly helping me gather all the materials for the for the the deadline. So, yeah, that was a fun little memory. And then as a thank you, I put I put her mom's name into the yearbook as a thank you for for her assistance, and uh, misspelled her last uh, misspelled her first name. And so she was a Jenny, <laughs> yeah. And I and I spelled it with a Y, and she was Jenny with an I E. Uh, so. Oh, I or, or or vice versa, or vice versa. Look, did she? Have, a long time did ago. she have the heart over the eye? <laughs> <laughs> Let me just say she was a Jennifer. Let me just leave it at that. Okay. Can, can I also say just yeah. just as we're mentioning the old sandwiches here, Mo did reach out to say. It was her great honor to be a part of the sandwich episode. So it has entered into lore uh, already. Uh, and now we're now we're revisiting. We're, we're we're revisiting the lore. It's it's a lot. So I I guess my question then would be if you did have those <laughs> like would you what category do you think you would have fit into? What would you have been voted um, most likely to be doing? most likely to end up teaching because I, we don't graduate from, from school. You all fail. You just, you just, you just, no, you, you, just you just stop going. You just reach a date where they're like, oh. that's the end of that. That was fun. And I went until the last possible moment. Mm-hmm. And then I kept going. Oh. And, and so like we were, we were into the summer months, and the teachers were just like, "You have to stop coming here. Like, you're, this isn't your school anymore." And so <laughs> off I went, doing my Charlie Brown walk into the Carrick Hills. Oh wow! Because <laughs> I wasn't allowed to go to school anymore. So okay, so yeah, you had been voted most likely to teach. So you loved it. You enjoyed going to, to school. Or, or to become a janitor, right? I just like going to school. I just I just like being in the building. It was a good place to be. Was, yeah. You, you, and I feel like I've had this conversation with you along the way, but you know, there's always that guy who keeps returning to high school, like into his 20s, and yes. he's the guy getting beer for everybody, and he's the guy buying the smokes for everybody. yeah. yeah. And you hang out with that guy because you know, you're getting what you want, but at the yeah. same time you're thinking, "What a total loser!" Right? I I never became that person, but yeah. mostly because the teachers intervened and said, "Okay, you gotta go. You gotta oh, go man. somewhere else." I I was I was about to name mine until you <laughs> until you uttered the words, "What a total loser!" And then <laughs> and then I got the fear. That he may somehow be listening to our our <laughs> podcast, and I imagine he can still kick my ass if he wanted to. <laughs> I can't believe you were like, oh, that mid-twenties dude who buys us all this stuff and we are 16, like, that guy's amazing. Love that guy. <laughs> that guy should be at every party. <laughs> yeah, no, I just, I, I just felt that I would have gotten beat up if I didn't, like, he would just come and be that guy coming to school and like you had to like oh there's and i'll just throw a name let's let's call him <laughs> let's call him lance right because it's got to be like if someone's coming his name's lance and uh you know i just i've got to give him his proper due right it's like he comes he's got the ring you kiss the ring or else you get beat up <laughs> did he bring all the booze did he bring all the smokes he brought smokes 
<laughs> yeah, so my year, my year was the last year. So here, here's an interesting thing. And, and I don't, Jason, I don't know if you had this. I'll be the judge of that. It was interesting. You trust me on that. My freshman year was the which was what 1987 was <laughs> the last year that student smoking was allowed. So there was a separate area for kids to smoke. And so then come 1988, um, that had gone away. And so Lance would be the one to like, you know, you meet him out, meet him out back, get a pack of smokes. Like, you know. <laughs> this guy was such a douchebag. Such a douchebag. He had his Rush shirt on and his, and his leather jacket. <laughs> no, no, no offense to Rush fans or leather jacket wearers. <laughs> Here we are, Joshua. <laughs> Here we are. No, I, I still distinctly remember. So, so because we go to um, high school for a maximum of six years, uh, my freshman year was 1986. And and there was no smoking allowed on school grounds. Now it doesn't didn't mean it wasn't happening in classic fashion behind the bike sheds. Yeah. Right. There there were definitely groups of kids who smoked behind the bike sheds and we knew who those kids were. Um but it's not like they had a <laughs> an approved, an administration approved smoking area. Well, so that's remarkable. Well, you know it happens now, and I hear this from from my oldest daughter. Like smoking still happens, but it's vaping. And how do you know kids are vaping? Because it smells like cotton candy in the bathroom, or watermelon <laughs> bubble gum, or you know whatever you know. Insert vaping scent here. Cinnamon. Yeah, right. And th- and that's that's the telltale. That you just go in, and there's CCTV in in the in there. In the bathrooms? Not in the bathrooms, but outside, right? Okay. So you can see who's going in, when they went in. So if a teacher goes in and smells it, they can sort of pinpoint potentially, <laughs> you know, which which kid did it. See, that's why I prefer boozing at school, because then it's just hip flask in your blazer pocket, quick nip. Nobody knows anything. Wait a second. Hashtag, please drink responsibly. Hashtag, what kids are wearing blazers to schools these days? Oh, yeah. No, the school uniform. I talk to my boys all the time about wearing a school uniform. I wore a tie every day of of my schooling career from five years of age to 18. Is that because you were at an academy or... Or is just that that was that was it all kids? Yeah, just school has school has a school uniform, yeah. Kind of like in the in betweeners. Exactly like the in betweeners. Uh. What a show! What a wonderful <laughs> thing to revisit years later and say, ah, oh, it was all as horrible as I remember, even though I didn't want to leave. <laughs> Do you think that's a hell of a show? Oh, it's a hell of a show. Yeah, I started sharing clips with uh, with. <laughs> Chris and Joe, not with my kids. I'm not kidding me. I was like, what clips did you show your daughter? No, oh my gosh, none of it. None of it. No, just just to some friends. Yeah. (laughs) So now I've I've got a question for you. Given our guests today, we've got uh, Boutique Dave, Dave Worthington. Yes. And from deepest mid Bedfordshire. Deepest mid Bedfordshire, and then we've got Sam Simmons, who I don't think he he, he doesn't go by Boutique Sam. He's just Sam Simmons. 
I always think of him as Boutique Sam. Do you think of him as Boutique Sam? Interesting. I do. I do. Well, let, let's be perfectly honest. All right. We both think of him as Dr. Whiskey. Dr. Whiskey. Let's be perfectly yes, honest 100%. about this. <laughs> you, you know, and it's funny. I, I went back to his... I, I revisit the Dr. Whiskey blog every now and again. And as I was <laughs> as I was editing the audio from our conversation from March, I think we were recording in earlier March, um, you know, I said, oh, you know, it's been a while since I went back. So he had a post in November 2021, something like that. And then before that was 2014. <laughs> like he, the, talk about a hiatus. But what I want to ask you is, because we're going to end this podcast with a bit of a game, which I'm really excited about. And we'll, we'll talk mm-hmm. about that a bit, a bit mm-hmm. more later. But I want to play a game with you just now. Given the content of our conversation, you and I, Jason, are now the the committee, the chairs of our whiskey yearbook. And we have got to vote Sam Simmons and Dave Worthington in because they're about to graduate. So my question to you is, what would you vote Dave Worthington most likely or least likely and how about and how about Sam and, and I'll have my own answers. Dave Worthington most likely to captain a pirate ship. <laughs> okay. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Sam Simmons most likely to leave a high profile high ranking job <laughs> to follow a passion. Oh man. What I loved about that setup before to follow a passion is you could you could have gone snarky there. You could have you could have done anything, but you just you nailed it. I like that. Pro level. Pro level. Huh. Yeah, follow those two. I'm quite proud of those two. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you could tell I was editor of a yearbook once. It just comes so naturally to me. So naturally. <laughs> so I I would vote Dave Worthington uh, most likely to wear a, a bowler hat unironically. <laughs> it suits his face. He wears he it well. He really does. It's 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 nice. And he's trimmed down a bit too, right? So he looks he looks a bit like slim he's gangster dashing. with it. Yeah, like a dashing bowler hat wearing gangster. But uh, you could also imagine him in that Jack Sparrow tripoint pirate hat. You could imagine him in that just as easily. Oh, e- easily, right? Because put a put an easily. eye patch on him as well. Like even remove one of his legs, replace it with a take away a leg. Right? I was just gonna say that. Yeah, right. give him a wooden leg. Give him a hook. Give him a <laughs> give parrot. Him a parrot. <laughs> we clearly view Dave in the exact same way here. So <laughs> much love, Dave. Much love. And I would vote Sammy Simmons uh, most likely. You ready for this? Mm-hmm. Most likely to tell it like it is in the form of a song. Mm. Ah, Mm -hmm. oh, Mm. yes. Yes. Oh, yes. That brings in both his truth-telling powers and his musicality. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Oh, I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that's, you know, know, I've talked about this previously, but I think that's one of the ways in which he influenced us way back in the day 
was Dr. Whiskey was one of three whiskey bloggers out there. And he was known for having opinions. He was known for Mm -hmm. presenting the industry as it was. And perhaps sharing sometimes how he'd like it to be. And so, yeah, yeah, I've always liked that about him. I've always admired that about him. And he's always had a sense of humor around it as well. I, I forget the reason for it, but clearly you can't forget the picture. Him in the bathtub. Oh yes, Doctor Whiskey. Oh yeah, Did just just having a a bath, a soak in whiskey. And I <laughs> tell you, I'm just thinking about his peepee hole and his butthole, and how that must have hurt, even at forty percent alcohol. Like I just, I wanted to ask him the questions about his peepee hole, but you know, here we are. I'm so glad we put in the work to clean that up. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah. So, what do you think about Sam Simmons' penis? <laughs> <laughs> but re- really quickly to the to the point of Sam of Sam and his truth telling, there was a bit hmm. there was a bit of the conversation that that really struck me, and he talked about his time when he was with the Balveni, and it was a bit of a struggle for him to convince the higher-ups that his job wasn't to just talk about Balveni, but his Mm -hmm. job was Mm -hmm. to talk about Scotch whiskey. And his point was, Balveni is not the brand. Aberlauer is not the brand. McAllen is not the brand. Scotch whiskey is the brand, and that's what you talk Mm -hmm. about. And, And they... You know, they they really let him champion that, I'm sure, after a good bit of fight, you know, to the point where they created uh, a Balvenie app where you can store your whiskey collection in an app and it didn't have to have just Balvenie whiskeys. It could just be mm. all your whiskeys. And think about how forward thinking that is from a big company to to allow something like that, like... That really takes his truth telling to to a really high level. Well, and I think it's one of the privileges that we get to enjoy as independent bottlers is we're champions of of Scotch, we're champions of world single malt, champions of American single malt, bourbons, rice, mezcals, mm-hmm. right? We we get to to ride entire categories. And then tell stories about these producers, mm. and 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 unlike being a single producer where you're telling the same story day in and day out, we get to run the gamut there, and that's kind of what I I mean in my in my award uh, for Sam. There <laughs> is you you can clearly be passionate about your home brand. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. But when you then get to come out and champion a world of spirits, I just think that's where Sam lives. And that's what Sam's been doing since he kicked it all off as Dr. Whiskey. And and, and Dave too, right? And our listeners will hear this uh, in the interview today. You know, when you hear Dave start to talk about the producers that they work with, they interact with, in the before times they got to go visit, like you hear the enthusiasm, the excitement, 
the the passion. And I don't think you can really be a successful independent bottler without feeling that passion. It it's too hard as as we covered in the last extra extra. Like it's it's too hard of a landscape to not be passionate about. And that's what you hear in talking with with these two when they're talking about boutique whiskey. And we we touch on boutique rum and boutique gin, but the focus was mm-hmm. was mostly on whiskey and just hearing them mm-hmm. talk passionately about you know the rye project and different American ryes and and European ryes and and you know hearing I think it was Dave mentioning uh, Copper Sea Distillery out of New York using direct fire stills like just getting geeky about a distillery mm-hmm. that was getting geeky about their production and wanting to to share that information so. Anyway, we can go on and on about, you know, why we voted these two for what we voted them for. Uh, But I think that it's best just to hand the conversation off quickly before we do. This conversation is split in a way uh, in two parts. We've got the bulk of the conversation uh, that we're about to go into, uh, but then we play a little game which we're going to put at the very end of the episode after our news segment and, and after a few other uh, comments here and there. So uh, that that was a load of fun. Just watching Sam Simmons <laughs> react to the fact that he was about to play a game, that in and of <laughs> itself was super fun. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, gentlemen. It has taken us far too long to get both of you on here. But as sometimes happens in this wild and crazy world of ours, we have the opportunity to say happy fifth birthday to Boutique Gin. Am I right in saying that? I'm nodding. Okay, okay. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, I can hear it. That, that looked more like keep hanging yourself, Johnston Yellen. You are going down the wrong path here. So, but Boutique itself is more like 10 years old. Is, is that correct? Has that happened this year? Is that happening later this year? Yeah, our 10th birthday will be September the 12th is when we first announced the Boutique lineup uh, to the world. Okay. Uh, September the 12th, 10 years ago this year. So... Yeah, we've Brilliant. done we've done quite a bit since. <laughs> so there there there's the boutique single malts, there's clearly the gin having a birthday, there's the rum, there's the world series that you did. Yes. So just you know, not not necessarily very quickly, but just in terms of a framing, can you articulate bookie <laughs> bookie? Uh, I, I just reminded it me. I, I got to go down and place my bets later this afternoon. <laughs> can you frame boutique for us and, and for the listeners? And then I absolutely want to ask you about the World Series because I thought your nomenclature on that was fantastic, and I think what you're trying to achieve there is fantastic. And it's near and dear to what Joshua and I are obviously, you know, trying to wow. achieve and, and what we're doing. So I, th- I think we'll get points in common here. But first of all, Dave, could you frame Boutique for us? Oh, you're just passionate whiskey geeks, much like yourselves, um, that are independent bottlers. And it was always about great whiskey right from the start. 
what we 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 want mm-hmm. snobs in terms of it must be single malt it must be you know it's only single malts uh, it's only scottish um but you know we we launched what did we launch the business with we did go with probably two of the most collectible um single malts with an ardbeg and a macallan and then two closed distilleries with port ellen and uh, Capadonic. So we did sort of start. Um, That's a murderer's role right there. It, it is, yeah. But we, we realised pretty quickly that we, you know, blends um, really did put us on the map with our with our blended scotch number one uh, that mm-hmm. went on and won the world's best scotch whisky at the time. Um, that really did put us on the map. Uh, and we started bottling world whisky pretty quickly. Uh, I think our first batch of world whiskey was actually from the states with some some few bourbon uh which back in 2014 but we have gone on and bottled whiskey from right around the world and um, we just launched a new series just last week uh the norwest euro express which is sort of a, a whistle stop tour um uh, amongst norwest europe european distilleries um single malts uh, a one we can't call whiskey. I think you might call it whiskey over there because it's made from buck wheat. You have buck wheat whiskey over there. We can't yeah. call it whiskey over here. Yeah. Um, and okay. a couple of banging rise from Finland. Yeah. Um, so yeah, right across the world. Jason, I know you've you've got a follow up question, but but just specifically to this because I I love that you you create these series, and my question because we we do the same in a much much smaller scale. Um, but I, I wonder, it's obvious you create a series and you have a path. Do people follow you along in that series? Are they paying attention in the way that you put it out? Do you, do, do, does that question make sense? It does. I mean, this might be too early to say. I think, Dave, you should, you should paint some context of not a mess, but how many... Uh, bottlings we ended up having after a while there. So Boutique used to be released just in, in monthly outturns. And sometimes things would be getting well, bottled yeah. and Dave would have no idea it's even been bottled. So Dave, yeah, maybe just I, set a little context, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I'd be away and come back and, oh, you bottled that, did you? Oh, you've been nice to have known that that's come out. <laughs> we, we did, you know, we, we grew organically, grew slowly, you know. It really was, yeah. you know, right at the beginning, it was just a... You know, first year, maybe 25 different batches of, 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 of bottlings, basically. Um, and then in 2017 or 16, it was like 60 releases that came out. And, and then we, had a, we, we opened our own bottling plant in Edinburgh, and that sort of put a bottleneck mm. in the bottling line for a little while because it went down. And then 2018, mm. 19 went absolutely crazy, and we were just bottling everything. And I was coming back, and there's another release because you know the way boutique was is buy the whiskey, get it in the bottle. Yeah. We didn't have that facility to hold whiskey for too long. It, you know, it's expensive business being an independent bottler buying whiskey. <laughs> there's all your cash tied up mm. in this big lump here. You want to get that bottled and sold as quickly as possible so you can buy the next cask. And it was, it was, that's what was snowballing. And all of a sudden, it was just gaining momentum. Um, the, 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 the bottling facility, when we first had it, didn't allow us to store anything there, didn't allow us to do much at all. But the licenses have sort of expanded on that. We have to have different, different licenses for holding stock or for blending stock. And yeah. Um, yeah. now we've got all that in our control. We have more control of when we release it. 
And the other thing that was coming out, we were releasing so much, it was just overwhelming for somebody. Mm. Yeah, do you want to do you want to stock some boutique? Yeah, I'd love to stock. What have you got? <laughs> and the list just just uh, um, um, what is this? You know, it just. Ah, um, I recognise some of these distilleries, but uh, yeah, just how many McCallans have you got? How many Milton Duff? Yeah, it was it was just bonkers. So yeah, back in quite the early two thousand, we decided uh, twenty twenty. Sorry, uh, we decided that as as a company, as a brand group, as a brand, that we really needed to start putting some context in this and bringing them together mm. with some sort of loose. I say loose um, theme around it. You know, we make this up as we go along. We didn't know what we were doing, but um, yeah, trying to create the themes with each release. And the idea is to do one a quarter, uh, and we're slowly building up to that. A to give uh, people around the world to get it to their markets at the right time, so we can all launch mm-hmm. it together and talk about the same thing at the same time. Mm-hmm. And really, just to put the full package of information as an independent bottler, to why we're bottling these whiskies in, you know, in, this, in this series. So, yes, we started with the World Series. That was back in August 2020. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Okay. okay. Gosh, August I don't think I could have given you a year on that one. Wow. First time we did a series um, with all the, all the bells and whistles, and we just put a little package of scotch together at that time alongside it. So we do release mm. scotch at the same time. So I think there's just two batches there and that was the two uh, the old thrust 37 and tomatin 36 year old that we released at that time and then we've gone on and we did uh, a rye series so there's nine mm-hmm. rye whiskies and then we went to australia which i think was a i think i i think i think the uh the rye series was incredibly brave you know nine rye whiskies from around the world uh-huh. four five five from the u.s um very very different styles all of them very different styles from malted ryes to um, direct fired stills to all, all, all sorts of different things coming through there. And they say we've gone on and done Australia, we've done Home Nation, so all the yeah, rugby man, England, Ireland, Scotland and Wales. Sadly, there was only one Welsh distillery that we could grab hold of. And as we bottled scotch all the time, it really was mostly backed up by, by English yeah. whiskey. But yeah, we're, we're um, so just done the Norwest Euro Express, which is um, cracking collection of whiskies so so as you're as you're piecing this together and as you're now planning and i love what you're saying about taking control of the bottling line being able to say okay for a quarter for for a year each quarter here's how we parse this out nine rise was there a moment in a meeting when someone said you've lost your collective minds like how the hell are we going to pull off nine rise or did you know that boutique had enough of a following with with enough of a of a geeky group that nine rise was going to be um a, an easy sale or 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 challenging in different ways how did that I, look for you all well i thought it was going to be challenging as as a rye lover i absolutely love rye whiskey and I, I love mm, the challenges same. that it has and the, and the differences that we had and you know some of them were a little bit more challenging to some people I'm sure um, but overall I think the series went pretty good we did a launch that was ju- we launched that just before um, lockdown really came in wasn't it and there was lots of um, advocacy going around so we were out there with it um, 
it, it did, it, yeah, it was because we got locked down, it didn't do, uh, we wanted it in the whiskey bars, is where we wanted it to be. Mm. That was the idea, mm. because it's just great whiskey for cocktails. There's so much in a rye. But, uh, yeah, I think, I, I think the following of some of these distilleries, certainly the, um, the Tennessee rye disappeared almost instantly, from what I remember. And so mm -hmm. did most of the Stowning, that, yeah, Danish rye. Um, but, yeah, yeah, a lot of these little distilleries have um, quite a quite a big following um, around them. Even here, you know, they know they make, make great whiskey from... Uh, well, it hasn't done too bad at all, the rye. I think I did my fair share of helping them out as well, of drinking <laughs> as many as possible. <laughs> the hard work there, yeah. <laughs> well, Sam put together a, a rye blend, um, which was really cool in that system series because we put... The, I think it's a... Uh, the first ever I've ever seen a, a blended American, you know, all these distilleries, named distilleries, nine distilleries from Empire State. So all Empire Rye's blended together to put the first ever Empire Rye blend, and that's just a, a cracking whiskey. That's that's a wild, wild idea. It, it I, came I from them. Never heard of that either. It came from the distillers. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, from the distillers. It was sort of their concept with our buddy Jonathan Wingo, who was working with us at the time. They put mm. the plan together and they said they, they had tried to do something like that. But I think a lot of craft distillers or egos or different opinions, at least in the room, it was too difficult. And they trusted oh. us to do it. And that was really cool. And yes, please. And it just, it just drives back, if I can, to sort of to your earlier question. We're trying to do cool shit. And when you're dumping out mm -hmm. 100 bottles every month, 100 new lines every month, it's unlikely you're actually mm -hmm. doing cool shit. And if you are, the people who care aren't going to notice. So you're right. There is a risk in slowing down. And yes, my neck was on the guillotine or whatever with our bosses. <laughs> but we did. We said, please, please. I've been working with whiskey for a while. I'm a whiskey consumer. Yeah. We know our whiskey customer. At Balveni, when I met you guys, you know, we, we would take three years to launch a new product. And not because we're slow or stupid, but because we did it right. And sometimes it took time to find the right barrels to put into what kind of wood or to get the design right or work with the right craftspeople on the box or whatever it was. Slow it down and do it right. So we were trying to do that. because, And we also have all been on buyer sides. And, you know, when you work in a retailer, someone comes in with a list like that. You know what? I'm going to take nothing. Thank you. You're, I don't have time to go through this massive list that's not in alphabetical yeah. order, that's not in price order, that I know there'll be no support for because who can have time to support it? So we're just slow. We slowed things down. We said to our masters, please give us 14 months, give us over just a bit over a year, please, to prove if this mm -hmm. works. Are we getting uptake? Yes. At least 50% would be allocated right out the door, and we weren't having that okay. before. People were talking about it. Check. People were writing about it. Um, and most importantly, people were buying it. So, and, and we were able to actually build relationships and build support for each thing we were doing. And that's, that's the best you can do. Otherwise, you're not really honoring, we're, you know, we source whiskeys, you know, and it, you're not really honoring the people who are giving you their product if you're just dumping it in the market and moving along. So before we move too far away from this empire blend and, and you're bringing Nine Rice together, what flavors are you finding there? And, and how are you finding those flavors working with one another and bouncing off? And, and the reason I ask is I remember way back, gosh, 2009, 2010, Joshua and I were part of the Bloggers Blend with Master of Malt and, oh, yeah. and getting all the samples in and putting those together. And it was so frustrating when you thought, I just need this one little bit of smoke now and I will have the perfect blend. 
and that little bit of smoke blew everything else you've done, you know, out the water and you had a completely different blend. I could imagine rye playing a similar game where a little bit can do maybe more than you want it to. What was that oh, experience absolutely. like? Yeah, Dave, yeah. Dave, Dave's tasted most of these components independently because we did some deconstructions, I think, in the aftermath, mm-hmm. um, right, really right we before did, lockdown, yeah. um, aftermath of the launch. Yeah, awesome question because that is, first of all, it's a totally new category. So, you know, with Scotch, most of us have inherited knowledge from generations of people who have educated us as we got into whiskey, and they tell us, oh, sure. you, you want to use a nutty, meaty style to bring things together. You only want to use a drop of peat. A little bit of peat goes a long way. Don't forget to use certain space size for top notes and certain space size for body and certain space, you know. Um, these type of instructions are guidance that we have the benefit of 100 years of, uh, of, of knowledge. There's about eight years of knowledge in Empire Rise. So uh, it, it was initially a superficial impression, like lay it down, get the samples in front of you. Um, we did ask all the distillers, and all the distillers really knew how this was going to go. They, they tried to find makes or cast examples that were typical of their mm. most consistent style. Because you know craft distillers can go like this, and they can try different mm-hmm. experiments. But they wanted, they, we wanted them to find things that we could repeat if, if necessary, and to trust the ingredients would be, you know, the, the component parts would be similar, you know? Sure. Um, mm-hmm. I'm trying to, as, as we're speaking, I'm trying to be really sneaky and pull up the actual recipe because you're absolutely right. There were some component parts, and I won't name them because they might be upset, that were- They were so different. I mean, uh-huh. really tasting them alongside each other. We did a couple of decon um, tastings when we were allowed out again, um, when we <laughs> took over Milroy's for uh, last mm-hmm. year, didn't we? took over Milroy's um, for a month. And we did a, a, a yeah, September. We did a, a, a decon. So we tasted all nine of the, of the whiskies, and they all have something different to bring. I mean, really different to bring from, from the... the, the, the the type of whiskies that they were doing, um, like different grains. Some of them were wheat in them. Some of them had. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, let's have a quick look at them. Um, so nine distilleries. Um, do we name all the nine distilleries? Uh, they all proudly. Yeah, they proudly took part. Yeah, sure. Yeah, five and twenty spirits. Kings County Distillery, Coppersey, the the distillery that I fell yeah, in sure. love with. You know that direct fired stills in the yeah. middle of nowhere. Yeah. I just. Visited them and just thought, oh, this is such a cool place. <laughs> uh, Albany Distilling, uh, Finger Lakes Distilling, Honeyoye Falls Distillery, which I think is closed. They disappeared over oh, last sure. year. I think they disappeared uh, um, early bad. last year. New York Distilling, yeah. which we love because we bought uh, three batches of New York Distilling. Um, mm. Great rye whiskey, stunning rye whiskey, I think. Um, and Stout Ridge and Tuttletown. Um, who started it all, really, I guess, Mm -hmm. bringing that whole New York rye. But, um, yeah, Yeah. some of them, you know, so much rye, 100% rye, bits of barley, different maturations, different, um, say, mash bills, uh, direct-fired stills, given that, yeah, there was so many variations. When you tasted them alongside each other, it was absolutely mind-boggling. Um, you, you'd think they'd all be the same. They all come from the same state. They're all doing the same rules. Um, and the flavor profiles were so different, weren't they, Sam? Oh, yeah, totally. But we did approach it, uh, back to sort of your question, uh, we approached it in a, in a scotch way where we I built mm. like a grain base. Which one's going to be the nice, flattering, flabby light uh, to show all the nice curves? 
of the bodies of the other whiskeys and the, the whiskeys that were really strongly flavored. Um, I think some of them, I mean, one of them only has 1.36% uh, in the total, oh, wow. in the final blend, 2.7%, 5%, 4%. So the, they, oh, wow. because they were that strong is I can remember, yeah. I can remember a Kings County sample that was very uh, woody, let's say. Um, but then mm. when you diluted it, when you just got it down to like tea, it it well tea's actually it, it was it had all this floral and tea and grassy things so by using mm. a tiny amount in something that was like a base grain in scotch terms scotch blending terms it really just came to life but even just a tiny percentage so it was yeah it took that sort of approach and I might crack one tonight Dave do you still have one <laughs> I, of, of the uh, empire yeah. I can make a blend. I've got all nine. You here, got all actually. the component parts. Yeah, all right. I'll send you the recipe. I think it's still around. I should get another bottle. This is reminding me. Anyway, thanks, guys. Dave's over here with a sample bottle saying, "If I just add two point seven percent of this to my glass, this is going to be perfect." I'm going to totally pull this off. Oh, look at that. We're I'm getting sure to see Dave's legs right now. That's, I know. I thought he was just a man in a chair. I've yeah. seen him in that position for two years now, not seeing him in person. Um, I actually thought he was a Dalek. But here we are. Lucky I have trousers on today. <laughs> <laughs> Don't spoil the mystery, Dave. Don't spoil the mystery. So so when you're when you're creating this blend, you know, are you are you taking time into consideration? Do you do you make the blends? Do you return to them after two weeks, four weeks, six weeks? You know, how, how do you, or, or do you just blend and you say, you know what, that's yeah. going to work? <laughs> Sam's busy looking out the window during this question. Because you do release things, you know, in, in a fast and furious manner. And so I, I just, I wonder... You know, if you need to take that into consideration at all, uh, the fact that we do things quickly and no one's going to let me have something married for six weeks—is <laughs> that, is that what you're suggesting? Yeah, I think uh, that is definitely a challenge. I mean, you could do micro vattings and leave it exposed to air in my room yeah, here, okay. and that yeah. might emulate it a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, some of it is, it's sort of like, uh, you're a musician, Joshua, you know, like when you record live, it can feel amazing in the moment. And when you hear it back on tape, you're like, nope, that was no good. But more often, and I've, I'm wearing a Neil Young shirt, more often the opposite happens where you get that first take when you're just warming up and something magical has happened. Don't fuck yeah. with it. Don't overdub. Don't touch yeah. it. And I think there, yep. the, that, uh, I think the this is the the fourth recipe for Empire Rise, the one that that happened with. I just I banged out I think six in the first day, yeah. and then it was the fourth yeah. that we came back to, and Toby agreed blind. A bunch of our colleagues agreed blind that that was the winner, so we just went with that. That's awesome. Oh, this is yeah, such a good. such a good metaphor, such a good comparison. <laughs> I like that. Well done, you. Well, I don't think we do something too. I don't think we do it too quickly now. You know, I think we have stepped back a lot and slowed things right right down because we're. I mean, when did I first start talking about the the Norwest series that we've just launched six months ago, five months ago? Um, you know, we're currently uh, a couple of weeks ago, a month ago, maybe even more than that, beginning of January, wasn't it? We dis we um, launched, not launched, but we advised the sales team of our next series that's coming out at the end of May. Uh, and Pete and I tasted all our way through them. Um, but before we got them, 
the, the, the team had tasted their way through and picked the whiskies that we're going to do and these are the bottling strengths that we're going to do. So, yeah, we were, we're, we're now working Q1, Q2 next yeah. year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know, we're looking at releases out there. Yeah. We, we've got a plan. Um, that's, that's, that's a year out, which is which is crazy. Yeah. So, which is yeah, very whiskey, isn't it? Whiskey has to be yeah. that way. To do whiskey well, you have to have right. lead time. But I got to tell you, it is like Dave suggests. It's a daily fight, isn't it, Dave? Yeah. Well, sometimes you don't know what series you're talking about. Dave. You're two back and two forward. <laughs> time travel. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Well, oh, you haven't got that one. Yet. The... We can't can't mention that. Yeah. <laughs> Right, and we've been we've been talking global supply chain, right? And so even your best plans can fall victim to your supplier not having glass for you, or the right. label company now has a longer turnaround, um, yeah. or you know, in, in the case of of very recently here, it just just to be clear, we are recording in early March, and and this episode is going out later than that. But you've just re-entered the U.S. market. At, at the perfect time for global shipping. So you you had been in the US and then you came out of the US and now you're you're back in the US. Can you know for the benefit of our listeners, can you talk through that process? And, and what's always fascinating for me is what did you learn being in the US, uh, and has that affected or changed anything about the re-entry to the US? Well, Dave, maybe you can speak about our first toe dipping with uh, boutique in the US. Well, certainly the response that we had in the US, wherever we went, was amazing. Um, I remember mm. doing um, the big whiskey show up in Massachusetts. Ryan Maloney. Yeah, yeah, Sorry? yeah. That so, just happened this past this past weekend. Yeah, was, yeah. yeah. Cool. And uh, holding a tasting there. And it was standing room only down below mm -hmm. to taste these whiskies that we had, you know. And I was... I think I was following. Um, oh, there was there was some great people doing doing tastings down there, and uh, yeah, I was really bricking it, you know, because this and this room <laughs> was just rammed. It was like the first time boutique whiskey had been there, and uh, yeah, there was yeah, the, the feedback was fantastic uh, with yeah. with the whiskies that we got. It's just, uh, I guess, just the. The, the way of working in the US is a, a little bit more challenging than it is, you know, we can't just go from bed, deepest mid-Bedfordshire with the bottles and then go to the next county and go, oh, look, yeah, yeah. So it's no problem. <laughs> Every state is a different country, isn't it? So uh, mm -hmm. I think that's mm -hmm. what we did learn rather quickly. What, what did we, I mean, I did, did New York. That was a great show. We did a lot of fun, had a lot of fun in New York City. Um, did a sort of trade tour of Florida and that went, really well everyone that was coming up to us was um blown away by the very small selection of whiskies that we were taking on these big trade shows in 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 hotels in 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 miami and orlando and mm. uh tampa um yeah really interested in oh yeah i like this whiskey in our in our shops but uh yeah it was just it was it's just a lot harder than i guess <laughs> I, I, I just go where I'm told, you know. I, I say yes. If Dave says, if they say, um, Dave, can you go here? I go, yeah, of course I can. Let's do this and, and talk about whiskey. That's um, but getting behind it and and all of the legislation and the restrictions and mm -hmm. yeah, that's I, I don't haven't been involved with that, but I know it's a bit of a bit of a mare. Yeah, mm -hmm. you guys, you guys spoke mm -hmm. at length about it on extra extra, uh, whatever. Yeah, just. 
just yesterday yeah. it, it it dropped. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, that, it's, you know that your listeners know the problem, the challenges. <laughs> you know what's funny? I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to... Uh, obviously, I'm not going to release a name, but last night I was having a conversation with someone who was talking about his brand was in Connecticut, my home state, and the distributor was doing nothing. And so he said to the distributor, all right, that, that's fine. Can I move it to somewhere else? They said, you can. You'd have to pay us $150,000 to get your brand back. Oof. And, it, it, and that's legal to basically Oof. rape someone for money when you're not doing a damn thing for, for their brand. And so, and so with that in mind, I mean, did, did you find you were running into that? Where obviously you, you've got great whiskeys, you've got very cool labels, um, you've got a reputation. Obviously, when, when you came to, to the U.S. and you went to Julio's, the reception was fantastic. But did you run into situations where maybe the distributors didn't care or you just, you had to, you had a bigger fight on your hand than you expected, I guess is what I'm asking. A hundred percent. We're a batched business and I, you guys can definitely relate to this, but you went around the system, not around the system, but you, you built your community and built your route to those people, which is the way to do it in the U.S. You know, but from coming from abroad, obviously not with my accent from Canada, but you know, with the, our products uh, coming from abroad. They land one place, then they go to different distributors. They need to be ordered in. There's got to be a PO. All the things need, need to happen. And then you need to get the lowest common denominator. You need to get an 18-year-old guy who doesn't know anything about your product motivated to sell it when he's also selling Jameson Orange, where he's getting a free trip to Ireland, uh, some tequila where he's getting a free trip to Mexico. Why is he going to give a shit about a, a one-year-old rock town from Boutique? Yeah. Zero. There's no way, and we yeah. can't afford to get his attention. It's not his fault. It's just we aren't built for that system, unfortunately. So if there was a direct-to-consumer route, which there was, Master Malt used to be able to ship to the United States, and, and Boutique itself, mm -hmm. as well as all Master Malt products, did really, really well. Um, losing that is massive, so we went to try and get in uh, directly with Boutique, and it just Boutique is a tough sell because it is there's 300 bottles of this particular thing, and then they're gone. As you can relate, yeah. um, so it's it's a yep. it's a very tricky thing to go through the the tier system and to go th through normal channels. I think in, in the U.S. So we've come back now, as you outlined, Jason, um, with our more continuous products. Mm -hmm. So World Whiskey Blend, still a boutiquey product, but you guys have seen it. But World Whiskey Blend, yep. um, uh, in a seven, uh, yeah, sorry, in a seventy, uh, and then oh, seventy CL, okay, yeah, yeah. So uh, you're, you're currently covering my next two questions. So keep going, Sam. Keep going. <laughs> should I let you have a turn, or we should? We can hand, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> this is audio only. We could do hand signals. No one will know. Nope. Keep going. Semi four with the flags. <laughs> uh, Air like ah, Lindsay. Yes, yes, yes. Peated ten year old Isla Green Isle uh, blended mm -hmm. Scotch whiskey, and then Darkness, which I just finished, so I don't have a bottle near me. But so. Sorry, do you consider those boutique products? No. The, uh, that, no, okay. World, those are separate. World Whiskey yeah. Blend is a boutique product. Boutique yes. bottles, the whiskeys from around the world, and this is made to be the, yeah. drunk the way the world drinks whiskey, you know, mixed. That's the idea of it. What's your strength yeah. on that? 41.6, baby. Okay. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Right, Drake, anybody? anybody? Anyone talking about Toronto's post uh, area code? All right. Wow. Uh, wow. Oh, okay. now we get it. Okay. Wow, he's talking like Canada matters. Like I don't understand yeah. what's happening here. <laughs> it's 
It's America Junior, Jason. It's America Junior. <laughs> that's, that's what I've been educated on since I've moved here, Sam. That's... You go count your elephants. <laughs> <laughs> and so those, those four that you, that you just showed, I know you didn't show the darkness, but those four are coming in in 70s. That's what's going to be. They're all there, uh, now. They're all there now and they're already uh, POs in different states. So that, that's already worked a bit better than the nice. uh, boutique you did because it's at least something that uh, someone can spend a bit of time on and know they'll be able to get more for their customer because their job is to, you know, to serve their customer. That's hard to do. Again, with, you know, you got 17 bottles of an Ardbeg. Come on, that's tough yeah. work. That's a tough, tough sell. Doesn't sound like it on paper, actually. Yeah. <laughs> now that I say it out loud, <laughs> seventeen bottles of hard bags probably the easier one. Yeah, I, that was a bad example. Yes, twenty bottles of Kininic, maybe. Yeah, very pale Daluin. <laughs> yeah, and, and and so I I think you know the the question that I I, I know you guys answer all the time, and and it's, it really is the thing that comes up every time you talk boutique. You're with someone, and, and as you correctly framed at the beginning, Dave, we're all whiskey geeks talking whiskey with other whiskey geeks. Is wh why the fifty? Why the fifty mil? And, and I know that was your your number going out. Obviously, we got the three seventy fives in the U.S. because because five hundred mils uh, isn't a legal size. Now you've got the Warrell Blend coming back or coming into America in that seventy cl. What's the ethos for the 50? Because I know you're thoughtful guys and I know you work with a thoughtful team. You know, can you give us the 50? Even if you just want to give us the 30-second elevator pitch that you've given a million times. Um, I just want to frame that for the listeners. Really, right from the start, the batches were very, very small. And, and we were literally trying to spread that parcel of whiskey that we had out mm -hmm. to as many people as possible, which is why we did it. Because we're about, we're not, we've never been about collecting whiskey. Um, mm -hmm. It was originally put together because we're passionate about great whiskey and we wanted to get whiskey out there for people to drink. We wanted to bottle these Macallans and these Port Ellens at prices that were affordable because they were <laughs> at the time. Um, <laughs> so people would drink them rather than put them on their yeah. shelves to collect dust. That was the bottom line. Um, and, and some of these batches were very, very small. Yes, we sort of scaled up and went to big batches and went, whoa, no, we shouldn't be doing that. And, and we're, we're not doing that. We are, you know, most of what we bottle now is a single cask. Um, these recent batches... Um, very very small batches. I'm just trying to see what's what we did there. Uh, I think the smallest out term was 116 bottles, but most of them are around that sort of 300 bottles. Um, and okay. 300 bottles at 50 cl, or or 200 bottles at 70 cl, sort of thing. That sort mm -hmm. of ratio. So that's why. And and we just want more pe people to drink more whiskey, different whiskey, rather than the same whiskey. Explore. You know, that's what we're all about. Exploring whiskey which is why we're bottling whiskey from all over the show because there's people making great whiskey all over the world now um and, and we want people to explore this you know some of these distilleries that we bottled would never come over to the you would never find them over in the uk you know certainly yeah. the australian series i'd only heard of two of those distilleries mm. um mm. that were available that you could find here um you know starwood have obviously been waving their flag loudly mm. Um, in the UK, uh, we're really at every whiskey whiskey festival waving their Australian flags. Everywhere. That's a loud flag. Um, I know. Thanks a lot. Oh, God, I can well, barely hear myself over that flag wave. I, I couldn't hear it until I put my hearing aids in, but I never knew flags made so much noise. 
I remember sitting at the table when I first got my hearing aids, and there was a box of tissues on the table, you know, because I'm a messy eater. And I pulled this tissue out, and I, did you hear that? And I'm sitting there <laughs> pulling sorry. one, two, three, but my daughter's looking at me, Dad? I don't know tissues made a noise. <laughs> you got all ASMR with it. Yeah. Just bleed out making that noise. You <laughs> look like a magician in thought, training. Oh, oh, oh that's going to come. I used to, I used to thought like I'd move cheese. around the house like a ninja. But every, every floorboard creaks. You know, you think you're coming home late at night, very, very quietly. I couldn't hear a thing. Since you've got hearing aids and you can hear that everything makes a noise. And I didn't know. <laughs> Back to the 50 thing Look, I think a lot of people are suspicious or cynical about it I, For me, as a whisk, when I'm into exploring different whiskeys Or taking a risk on something It being at a 50 CL and being a bit cheaper than a full bottle To try something is encouraging to me This is before I came to the company That's something I loved about boutiques I could try some weird thing And if, it wasn't, if I wasn't a fan, I wouldn't have that extra bit But if, if you are still cynical about it, it's okay Just mul- see, see the number, multiply by 1.4 And if it doesn't make sense to you, cool There are other, many other great whiskeys to go buy But I think you will almost always see That it is comparable to a 70 CL price, if not less in some cases, more because, as you know, supply some things are more expensive. But it's 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 not some duping trick. It's it's about sharing and enjoying. That's why Ben and, and the team originally did fifty CLs. Gotcha. Well, Thank you, you. You you touched on what is what is my next question. You know, supply kind of sucks right now, especially when it comes to Scotch whiskey, single malt. Uh, the availability of casks. Um, the availability of casks at what used to be proper pricing and is it's it's gotten a bit dire now. But you seem to have timed things well with with a lot of this world traveling whiskeys. Was that was that a coincidence or was that by necessity because of what was going on with Scotch whiskey? That's a great question, man. No, I, I think it's just serendipitous. I, I mean, one of the first things I did when I got here uh, at the end of 2018 was I wanted to make a world whiskey blend. We knew that, I knew, yeah. and we all knew, anyone close to whiskey, the Japanese whiskey rules were going to change. Japanese blends are beautiful. There's, there is a rich tradition there, and I think... Um, why can't we all just embrace that and make world world blended whiskeys, world whiskey blends, whatever you want to call them? So mm-hmm. I wanted to do that because Boutique could be a great independent bottler in the tradition of the great Scotch bottlers, but globally. Yeah. There, weren't, there weren't really people doing that. Of course, Cadenheads, of course there were examples of that. But <laughs> to, 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 to really consciously go ahead and do it was something we wanted to do. And we were, we were drinking that way. Like Dave said, Dave's drinking Dutch, Rye's, um, Danish uh, edu, you know, French French buckwheat whiskeys. We're exploring those whiskeys anyway, um, and yeah, you're absolutely right. Though at the same time, uh, things got a bit crazy in Scotch. I just pulled up an email I got yesterday. You might have got the same one, where only one malt on the list is allowed to be bottled under its name, and right? all of yeah. the all of the prices on this particular list, I would say, are between twenty and fifty percent too high to be possible to bottle. Uh, in I'm surprised it's that low, that that high percentage <laughs> is that 20%. low. Well, we've got great connections. No, I mean, it's, 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 <laughs> things are crazy, and it's, it's, yeah. it's a bit frightening. I, I do think it's temporary, though, guys. I think if we can get through it and work together, that's why we, 
you know, maybe this is a bit too much shop talk uh, on a on a on a podcast like this. But we want to work with mm-hmm. guys like you and with a North Star and with Angus and get through this, you know, and yeah. uh, be an independent bottler for independent bottlers. You know, we're not just buying for ourselves. If we can go to Ferry Lock and get three casks, yeah, we'll bottle one and maybe maybe we can hook someone else up. But if we get stuff directly from Pernod or from Diageo or whatever it might be, if we can yep. f- protect that stock and make us all rising tide, which is a thing that I definitely learned from Scotch whiskey. That's how Scotch whiskey uh, grew and how, why there are, you know, over a hundred malt distilleries still today is because they've operated in this way. So we would be naive not to take some of that wisdom and apply it to trying to make sure that Mm. world whiskey can thrive. Absolutely on this topic. I know that you were part of the selection process for the judgment of Westland. And we had Steve Hawley on here and Joshua and I tasted through the samples and I don't have to reach very far uh, to show you two of the four that I've still got sitting right beside me. Could you, could you talk about why you wanted to be part of that process and, and what you think was achieved? I know, again, at, towards the end of February, the results came out between about 3.1 out of 5 and 3.3 out of 5 was the scoring for the four whiskies. Um, could, could you talk a little bit about your experience on that? Uh, first, I would just say when you look at the results, we all love the way it turned out, especially Westland, who, who put the program forward. But just remember, in, in any scientific analysis, that's not enough of a point of difference to be consequential mm-hmm. at all. So basically, yep. all whiskey is equal, I think, is what I would take yep. from that. I hope 100%. most, I th- mm-hmm. I hope most mm-hmm. people yep. who see the results see it that way. Um well, look, you know, you may remember when I was at Balvenie, we tried to always push to do a bit brave things for single brands. We had a whiskey shelf that we spent all this money and time on making this online app that you could have on your phone to keep track of your, not just your Balvenies, all whiskeys. And that was controversial. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, that, was, that was a hard sell for me to convince my colleagues to do that. Mm-hmm. For me to go do events where I hosted Abelauers and other things while I worked for Balvenie was a hard thing to sell. But I've always been a major advocate for that pan whiskeyism or whatever it is. I don't know. See, yeah. the biggest brand in, in whiskey is the word whiskey. It's not a single named, it's not McAllen or Glenfiddich or Westland. Mm. Um, and probably the second biggest is Scotch whiskey. Those, those are the brands and we all espouse them. We all, we're all working for, for that group. So when Westland very bravely had this idea and Dave mentioned it to me, I was like, fucking right, I want to be a part of that. That is so cool. <laughs> And so new world and so West Coast and so pioneering. And I've been to Westland twice. I brought groups of, uh, no, three times, twice with my Balveni crew when I worked there because they had to see the place. They had to meet the people. Mm -hmm. It had a special place in my heart for what the future of whiskey could look like, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I always already liked Westland uh, and, and Copperworks in Seattle. So two distilleries out there, just mm-hmm. awesome people, right. awesome products. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and what a great place to hang out anyway. So it was any excuse to go to Seattle. Uh, <laughs> almost Canadian, right? So as close, <laughs> close to Canada as the States gets. Uh, yeah, no, anyway. So Dave brought it up to me. I said, please, can, I'm very keen to take part in any way, any modest way I can help. It's such a cool thing. And that, that was basically it. And Steve was super friendly and open-minded and, again, super brave uh, to, to take that sort of thing on because it could have gone way wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, we got, we got shouted at when we did the recording with, uh, with Steve because Joshua and I, just, just as, as geeks, were just trying to place them, right? And, and his, his take in the moment was, 
no, don't, don't try to introduce biases. Just tell us what you think of the whiskey. And, and Josh and I were both kind of saying, well, you know, if this is the Indian, that doesn't, that doesn't bias us one way or the other. If this is the Australian, that doesn't bias us one way or the other. But I understand the way his concern was some people might have searched out the scotch and then tried to grade the other three lower than the scotch to hold on to biases. And given the way Joshua and I look at the world of whiskey, no, we, we were just really curious about flavour profiles and positioning and, and things like that. So um, just as you were talking, I was remembering being shouted at, chastised uh, on the podcast by Steve. Yeah, but we're all guilty of that. I remember I remember being of the, those sort of biases. I remember being at Lagavulin and we're in the warehouse. It's uh, the festival. It's some special tasting. I can't remember because I was probably half lit. And we're tasting some wonderful stuff and getting a great, colorful presentation. And, you know, mm-hmm. it, it was incredible, as you could probably understand. And, all right, we get offered. You're going to have one more dram. And you can pick the oldest cask in this warehouse or the best Lagavulin I've ever had. And what did the room vote for? Uh, Hope, the, hopefully not the oldest. The oldest. Yeah. <laughs> of course they did. Because even this guy who's worked there his whole life and has stolen from all of those casks, and I'm not accusing anything, no HMRC, but his expertise was less valuable than our bias. That's crazy. And I saw, yeah. I saw the whole room vote that way, and it was, it was eye-opening and a nice reminder. And, and geeks, you, I'm sure we've done it too, where you see a lineup of whiskeys. Oh, let's try that dark one. Because... We, we do it. it. That one must be good. Um, uh, so, yeah, to, to wash those away as much as possible and to take part in some way to do that with Westland or with, with anything is always fun and, and worthwhile. Yeah, I, I, thought, I thought it was a brilliant. So you, Joshua. I, I, well, <laughs> I was just uh, going to remark, a month ago, two months ago, I saw a, a review of some whiskey. I don't, I don't remember what it was, and, and it saddens me. I have to look, I have to look for it. But the thing that attracted me to the review was the picture of the bottle and the liquid inside. Johnny and Walker, year of the year of the tiger. No, I said, "Oof! Look at the lack of color. It was almost clear, mm. and and it made me want to try it so badly." And then I and then I ended, you know, then something happened. I saw a shiny quarter. I moved on. But 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 I, you know, <laughs> I saw I the year of the, the tiger bias, label. The bias can go both ways, especially if, you know, if you're just curious about, like, what's that going to taste like where the cask gave zero color? And and I think the decision to bottle a whiskey that has zero color is a pretty brave decision on the part of that bottler. <laughs> I think that's really cool. Because you're right, you're right, Sam. You know, you, you look at a bottle, and if the color is as dark as this Brooklotti that I'm holding up, you say, ooh, that's going to be fantastic. Meanwhile, this is the worst Brooklotti I've ever had in my life. You know, so a color is not an indication of, of that quality of the whiskey. And it's back to that bias that, that we're discussing here. Yeah, well, you asked about Boutique, too. And Dave, you, you've said this before. The, the driving force between what we put in glass at Boutique is things that make you say, fuck, dude, you got to try this, that make, that make you yeah. want to share it. And, yeah, and I think yeah. that's the requisite. Um, that, that has to be, I mean, I've got one here, right? I got the Broger, Dave. Polarizing whiskey, tastes like nothing oh. else on planet Earth. That's why I have to have it, because I have to show friends that come over. They, they, they yes. have to enjoy yeah, yeah, yeah. it. 
And so boutique, whether it's water white but still mature or whether it's the opposite, it's super dark but just wildly inappropriate and disgusting and vomitous. Um, I'm, I'm, well, I'm guessing that because it's a Brooklady. But um, – oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Wow. wow. So I just – I'm not editing hands. any of that. Uh, Dave, I've got a I've got a question for you, and and then Joshua, I've got a plan to get us out of here. If if you'll if you'll come along with me on this, oh, I will come along. With you. Um, yes. Coming whiskey, Dave. Come. Yes, sir. Uh, I I make no secrets about being uh, you know very far from social media, and I have. I, I've lost all interest in, in the genre, if, if I can put it like that. But I have Twitter on my phone, and there are only two reasons that I open Twitter of a day. Hmm. Is number one, I want to see David Brody's view from the veranda at Bonahaven. And I want to see what's happening in deepest mid-Bedfordshire with Dave Worthington. <laughs> yep. And when I look Dave. at those two things, I, I may see our, our, our beloved friend uh, Ian Allen along the way to, to see how, how he's doing. And then I shut down Twitter. That, that's it. I'm, I'm out at that point. And I'm, I'm curious because clearly Twitter is a cesspool and is, is filled with horrible people saying horrible things at every opportunity. And, oh, yes. and you, you, yeah. and, you and David Brody are, are such beacons of light. But I, I've, I've wanted to ask you the question, what keeps you going back there? And I, I've got a hunch I know what the answer is, but, but what keeps you going back to Twitter? And how does your experience look on there? We we have a we are a really there is we remember years ago there used to be the whiskey fabric you know with all yep. those yeah. all those emerging bloggers back in yep. two thousand ten two thousand nineteen and and it was really a lovely space to be well mm -hmm. it still is a lovely space to be if you put in keywords to block <laughs> you know there are a, yeah I, I my Sam my Simmons. timeline is generally filled up with. Dogs and whiskey um, by Dogs. blocking certain things. I don't want to know about I don't, anyone who gets their news off of social media. Um, well, you don't want to hang around with them too much, do you? I mean, because you, you can... Yeah, seriously, um, there's just so much shite on all of social media uh -huh. at the moment. And it really is. So, yeah, I keep um, block words is something I do. I, and I block ads. So if people start putting advertisements up on Twitter, I block them. I block all the newspapers. Block, 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 block. Um, I don't block people. I very rarely... I mute people um, or mm -hmm. I mute keywords. Mute, mute mm -hmm. keywords, definitely, that I don't want to see. But, yeah, there is still a really lovely community of people on there, of drinks, writers, bloggers, enthusiasts, mm. whether it be whiskey, gin, rum, anything. There is a really lovely crowd on Twitter. And I like Twitter because it is conversational. Yes, it's confrontational, but there's a lot of people on there are just there for shits and giggles. And that's what it's about, isn't it? Shits and giggles. That's what I'm on there for. And why be negative? I, I try never to be negative on social media. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. Always, because yeah, 
there's there's enough negativity in the world so just try to lift it up and yeah i love dave's weather reports from the island or the view from the balcony and you know sometimes i do the same here but it's not quite the yep. same i just do a little good morning with my coffee i've got the music on and i'll just say hello to everyone in real time um just for a bit of fun change the hat change your shirt yeah i, I try instagram i'm not instagram is just putting pictures up and people going nice Nice, you know, do people read everything that's underneath it? I don't know. Um, there's very little conversation on Instagram. I'm trying harder. Um, and, and, and Facebook, oh, God, I can't, no, I'm not a big fan of that at all. Um, mm. But it's really just to keep in touch with a few friends around the world. Um, but um, yeah, Twitter, I do still like Twitter. You're right, there is an awful lot of negativity on there. Um, but you can block it out just by blocking certain words so you never see a tweet i don't want to know about nfts nft no fucking thanks you know i don't want to know nft is no fucking thanks and so i just block nft or anything like that it never comes up so yeah dogs i want to see dogs i want to see puppies uh i'm not too bothered on cats but okay they can come through uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna think of no fucking thanks every time I see NFT going forward. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, no, no, one of the things that you're describing there, and, and that I'm most proud of, and and, and Joshua is, is in charge of that along with Jess and Elijah, but is our our nation members only Facebook group, where you have to answer a series of questions to get in, and and one of those questions is I will not be an asshole in this group. And it's, it's that sense of you can just come in and, and talk whiskey. And, you know, you don't just have to talk single cast nation whiskey in there. You can just geek out about whiskey. Just don't be an asshole is the guiding right. principle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's that rule, isn't it? Don't be a dick. And it must, it applies to most right. men. You have to, you know, you have to think, don't be a dick. To, to, you know, I say it to myself. Um, everyone <laughs> should say it to themselves. Don't be a dick. Because um, it's too easy Don't to be, be a, a dick, dick, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's on the inside of every hat. Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> I, I put it inside all my underwear. <laughs> I struggle to understand why so many companies try to attract younger whiskey drinkers. Because there are very few people under 26 who aren't periodically dicks. You know, it takes a while to sort of get the humility to, of wisdom. And all of us, we're nice guys. I love you. I've known you since I was 26, I think. You know what I mean? But um, yeah. the likelihood of being a cock is, lowers with wisdom and time. So I just, we don't, we don't need them in the whiskey world. And you guys, you, you just brought it up. It's worth saying again, the community you've created um, is, is incredible. And, and a thing of admiration for not just us, but for all sorts of folks. Such a cool way that you organically grew and became this nation that you are. It's super awesome. Cheers. Cheers. That, Cheers. that means a lot. You know, you're, you're, a, you're a person that we mention a lot and as an inspiration. And so the fact that you are so kind about what we've achieved is very, very cool. Thank you. Just wish I was Jewish and into whiskey. I could have been a part of it from the beginning. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> Wait a moment. Thanks to Sam and Dave for their time there. Sam and Dave, Dave and Sam. The boutique boys, uh, a bit like the Hardy boys in my mind. Mm. Ton of fun. Uh, as we said, leading into the interview, I had a chance to get geeky, had a chance to get passionate, uh, had a chance to explore some of the changes they've made uh, over the years as a company. Learned a ton. 
and of course had a blast just simply hanging out with them. Yeah, they are two guys who were hard to get pinned down for a date, but <laughs> once we got the date. We followed through and we had a lovely time. And as we said, we will return to them in a little bit in this episode. And just really quickly, apologies to to any of our listeners out there that were expecting us to speak to the musicians, Sam and Dave. Uh, we didn't try to do a bait and switch, but uh, but here we are. We're talking to whiskey people, Sam and Dave, not musicians from the 60s and 70s, Sam and Dave. Or, or for our British listeners who, who maybe are thinking, wasn't there a UK duo somewhat similar? Chaz and Dave uh, Chaz were big Dave. in the 1980s. Yeah, they've, they've got a song called Rabbit that was, that was pretty big. Uh, I played it for you. I played it for my boys. And at, at one point, it, it talks about the wife being good looking, but God, if she'd only just stop talking. And that was a very 80s sentiment that has not uh, aged at all well. And it, I remember wow. it being so popular, so popular. So, yeah, if you want to go down your own little quote-unquote rabbit hole, uh, go look up Rabbit by Chaz and Dave, and you will get an education in what was allowed in 1980s United Kingdom. Well, I'll tell you, rewind the clock to the 60s. Do you remember that band? Oh, I forget the name of the band, but it goes, uh, the, the, the chorus goes, if you want to be happy for the rest of your life, never make a pretty woman your wife. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. it was all like, and, and and then like in the middle, in the breakdown, the guys are all talking and he goes, oh, you know, whoever, I saw your wife, she's ugly. And they're all excited about how ugly their wives are because they still make a good meal. They can't find any other men to pick them up. They'll never leave you. <sighs> wow. It's a lot. Misogyny a was lot. so popular back then. Yeah. Thank goodness it's gone away. Thank <laughs> goodness. It's, oh, it's not a thing anybody has to deal with any longer and especially not in whiskey so phew (laughs) he said sarcastically since you can't see my face (laughs) i i I saw this thing oh again i've mentioning qi uh, this season of the podcast but on, on qi apparently a little bit of research was done you can say anything on twitter uh and if you're being sarcastic you must include a winking emoticon, a winking emoji. So and so, yeah. I'm I'm inserting a winking emoji in this portion of the podcast. So I I feel as if that's like saying you can say anything, anything you want, so long as it's a p- preceded by, with all due respect. <laughs> Do you know how much that cost us in sponsorship dollars? Well, with, with all due respect, Mr. Dennett, yeah. I had no idea you'd gotten experimental surgery to have your balls removed. <laughs> what, did you, what did you say? Um, what, that, what was that? Well, well, I said with all due respect. That, no, that doesn't mean you get to say whatever you want to say to me. It sure, sure as heck does. No, no, it doesn't it's mean that. It's in the that. Geneva Convention. Does, Look it up. Not- <laughs> <laughs> or no offense. <laughs> or no offense. But... <laughs> Yeah, well, we had, we had to teach our, you know, when our eldest was seven, we had to yeah. teach him that lesson. He absolutely thought if he led with no offense, he could say absolutely anything. 
And we had to say to him, that's not how any of this works. Like, wow. But I said, no offense. Well, I really appreciate that, but that's not how any of this works. So <laughs> please stop. And to his credit, he did stop. He did take it on board. It was the last time he listened to us. This episode, Jason, I think because we're having this sort of longer game that we played with with Sam and Dave, <laughs> um, <laughs> we we're not going to bring an email into the podcast. Though I think we do have one to get to. Maybe maybe we'll get to that email in the next episode. Um, but we have just a smidge of news that I want to share with people. I know I've got one bit. Maybe you have another bit or maybe your bit is the same as my bit and we'll say the bit together. I'm still thinking about Sam Simmons' penis. How was the <laughs> penis with you, Joshua? See, now I have to include all the stuff that I was going <laughs> to... Yes, you do. Yes, you do. That's how I do this. Extra, <laughs> extra. In about 35 minutes, Jason, you and I will stop recording here, and we're going to hop in front of our cameras, and we will begin recording a tasting video for our Virginia Distillery Company single malt. That's our five-year-old matured, all five years, mm-hmm. in a Spanish oak sherry butt, that cask having previously held Oloroso and having previously held Pedro Jimenez sherry. And mm-hmm. we got, what, 613 bottles out of cask mm-hmm. 666? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. that, that cask will go on sale somewhere toward the very end of April, beginning of May, somewhere within that vicinity. And uh, so I wanted to let our listeners know about that. Because there are so many bottles, uh, we're, this won't go on lottery. So I urge you all to check out our YouTube channel, Single Cast Nation, and and look for that Virginia Distillery Company video. Uh, This whiskey is truly, truly fascinating. You know, it reminds me a little bit of what, we've brought this up before, but I was reminded of it reading um, Angus, Whiskey Sponge Angus, his April Fool's post, you know, when he gets serious, And he talks about the fact that whiskey writ large is simply much better than it Mm. ever has been. However, Mm -hmm. it's very few and far between that you get these whiskeys that absolutely floor you, that remind you of why you drink whiskey, why you went down the rabbit hole in the first place. And I, I really think that this particular cask, and this isn't, to cast shade on any previous casks that we've done. But this is an eye-opener. It really is a reminder of, of maybe not necessarily why you drink whiskey, but I think that this is a good example of why American single malt is a category we need to pay attention to because it is so expertly made. 
and so wonderfully complex and satisfying, and it urges you to return to it. And I think it speaks to why we continue to discover whiskey. And so mm. this this butt sat across Afton Mountain from me for five years. I hadn't visited the distillery. <laughs> I hadn't met anyone associated with the distillery. And it's literally an hour, an hour and five minutes from my front door. And it's easy to get into your comfort zone, right? Yeah, well, I, yeah. I know Catoctin Creek. I, I know Smooth Ambler, right? And then farther afield, we know Westland. We know Copperworks. And then farther afield, we know Glen Murray. We know Aaron. There's a reason to keep discovering. Yeah. And, and I'm glad you bring up Angus. And, and I'm glad we covered it in the last episode of Extra Extra. And, and that point really did resonate with me, mm -hmm. which is we're always searching out those whiskies that reinforce or remind us why we're doing what we're doing, what it is, what we do, that we do, to, to coin a Joshua Hatton phrase from a few years ago. <laughs> and it, it is exciting. Uh, and when I tasted this, it squarely put Virginia Distillery Company on my map. And we got to speak with with Amanda over there at season five, episode fifteen. That's the very one. And yeah. and she and I tasted the sample, the cast sample, uh, in that interview as well. And so if you if you missed that or you skipped over that, I implore you to go back and listen to that as well. But I, I think it's an exciting distillery. It's a beautiful distillery. They are working their tails off to produce the best American single malt. Some might say the best single malt uh, that they possibly can. And I'm excited to bring this to the attention of the nation and share this far and wide. So my question for you is, was my bit of news the same as your bit of news? So I, I just want to quickly revisit something that uh, our, our worst fears were that it was going to become a moving target and it has become a moving target. But our backwoods uh, uh, distilling heritage rye mm -hmm. from Yakindanda in Australia, matured in Australian Shiraz, that again, and I, and I really, really mean it, as excited as we are about the Virginia Distillery Company, we're as excited about the backwoods oh, that we yeah. can show to people and put, again, another distillery in front of, of a nation member and get them as excited as us. But that cask was coming early March. That date was moved to mid -March, uh, to late March. And now we're sitting being promised early May, which neither you nor I have any confidence in. Zero confidence. Could, be, could move into the summer. And, and it's just sitting at sea. It's, it's traversed an ocean, you know, like... Lee and Brie at Backwoods, they did their part of this. Our good friends, our partners at Impex, uh, our, our importers, they did their part. You and I did our part. And it's sitting on a boat in the water mm -hmm. waiting to come into port. <laughs> and there's nothing we can do. There's nothing, nothing we can do. Absolutely nothing. Yeah, we, we are held captive. But here's the thing, Jason. Our, 
our shipment, so many other shipments. We we are a uh, a grain of rice amongst a gigantic a cork in an ocean. We are a cork in an ocean. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> a cork in an ocean, caught by the currents. So there you go. That, that's the update. The update is we have no update aside from the update that says the date's moving, but we don't have an update on an actual date. And so it's just an update to let you know that we're still waiting on the date. We know what just I tell can't. Tell us the date, Joshua. <laughs> just tell us the date. What's the date? Just tell us the date. date, Joshua. What I can't wait for is when the shipment finally arrives to the port and the dock workers say they can't give us access to the container and we can't go and pick up the container ourselves because <laughs> there are very specific chassis used to move these things around and then they start charging us a daily fee for something that they can't do and won't allow us to do. That's the part that I can't wait for, Jason. Why are you making me even more sad? Why are you doing this to me? That's oh, I was cruel just, and unusual punishment. Oh, I was just playing the part of Jason. I mean, I'm just, this is what you do to me. <laughs> it's going to get worse before it gets better. Let's be honest here. It's going to get a lot worse before it gets a lot better. So that that was the news. Two two casts that we're very excited about that are first time bottlings for us that we're eager to share, and uh, and we just keep plodding along with them and get them out to you. Mm-hmm. So with with the news said and and with me questioning every professional career choice I've made, how about a bit of fun? <laughs> how about a bit of F U N? I'm all about fun, Jason. <laughs> so uh, a few episodes ago, I I played a little game with you, where I had and I still can't uh, find the sausage. I still can't find the sausage. <laughs> it is well hidden, well <laughs> hidden. We 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 broke out the first edition Michael Jackson Malt Whiskey Companion. Yes, and I I read you a tasting note for a distillery that is near and dear to your heart, but I knew it had enough head fakes in it that you probably wouldn't get the distillery and that would be a lot of fun for me. And and so we played the same <laughs> game with, with Sam and Dave and you. And I, I once again got to play compare. I got to be the chap reading the, the distillery description and the tasting notes. And that's fun for me because it doesn't put me on the line. Mm-hmm. So I'm just listening carefully to the responses from the three of you. But as, as you said way back in the beginning of today's episode, Sam just was eager to get the game on. The game was afoot, as Sherlock Holmes famously says. <laughs> and, um, and so without further ado, let's, let's jump into that portion of the recording where we, we had a little fun. Beauty. A little F-U-N. So, so, so we have for, 
you know, for, for the last few years, we've got out of our interviews by asking people what they're most excited about going forward. And we're, we're changing it up. So all the way through this interview, we've talked about the future of Boutique. We've, we've covered that ground. And so in the spirit of the games that you chaps are known for, oh. I've, I've put together a, a little game that Joshua and I sometimes play on the podcast um, oh. But in terms of when we're recording this, you are the first people we're recording this with. Oh, cool. And so I have delved into my 1989 Michael Jackson malt whiskey companion. <laughs> and I've got... No cheating. I, All right, I won't I've go got, grab mine. I, I know, I know. I'm doing the same. I'm doing the same. Grabbing. Come on, boys. And so I'm going to read his description of oh. a distillery. And then I'm going to oh, give you a, a tasting note. And so, like and his I'm summary, gonna, what what he says about the distillery, that short line. Oh, exactly. yes, this is a great game. Exactly. <laughs> the house exactly. style. <laughs> and then, and then it's not going to be first hand in the air. You know, let let me read what I'm going to read, and then I'm going to ask each of you what you think it is. Please show your working, okay? Mm. And I'm going <laughs> to. Am, am, am I allowed to play? Hundred percent. Uh, yeah, Josh, Josh okay. Okay. yeah Josh if you don't know, know yeah. what I'm about to do, so. <laughs> Sam's got I'm fucking into it. I am so. Notes. This is right You're up my so street. Competitive. No, no, it's not about winning. About I, no, I like the. No, 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 no. I like the game. It's not about destroying you. No, no, I don't care at all. Honestly, Dave knows I'm not competitive. It's it's more just the joy. You know when people put whiskeys in front, they get they go to the bar, they get four whiskeys and put in front of you. Don't tell you what they are. That's the yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. best night out of the year. Love it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Anyway, go ahead. We do that every time we hang out with Ian Allen, every single yeah, time. Yeah, and I don't so. want to be right. It's not about being right. It's about the journey. I love it. Anyway, go ahead, please. This okay, exciting. here we go. And I'm I'm going to try and not read the name of the distillery if it appears. I'm also going to leave out details that just are too much uh, that you would get too easily. So sackcloth, hessian, proclaimed one taster, admiring the distinctive aroma of this malt. Flax, perhaps? Fresh linen? Newly made beds, gorse broom, says another admirer. It is certainly an individualistic whiskey and inspires flights of fancy, if not Tom Jonesy in fantasy. Maybe it is the aroma of seaside sand dunes covered with rough grass and gorse. Skips a sentence... (laughs) <laughs> skips another sentence. I'm going to give you some dates, and and it might it might give uh, away the game, but I like them. It was founded in 1875, bought by Highland Distillers in the 1890s, and completely rebuilt in 1960. Much of its malt, remember, this is a quote from 1989. Much of its malt goes into blends like the famous Grouse, Cutty Sark, and Langs. There has been the odd bottling of a single malt at mm. five to seven years, but with no age statement, primarily for Italy. And then there's a sentence that might give the entire game away, but um, with the information already provided, the distillery has been temporarily closed since the mid 1980s, <laughs> and, and Sam's nodding his head. So, well, because I'm give you two. This, yeah. this 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 is published. Yeah. Okay. No. 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 So this place is open again, isn't it? So this was. So don't show your working just yet. So 
Yeah, the book is 1989. So tasting note. The tasting note is for this distillery, no age statement at 40% alcohol. Color, gold. Nose, fresh linen. Body, light but firm and smooth. Palate, grassy, sweetish. Finish, mm. gentle, drying slightly. And that warranted a 76 from Michael Jackson. Now... That was the OB no age statement distillery bottling. This is now a Gordon McPhail Connoisseur's Choice 1967 bottled at 40% alcohol. Color, full gold. Nose, fresh, grassy. Body, light to medium. Palette, complex drier, but with notes of sweet grassiness, heather honey, peaches, finish, Fucking gentle, else. dry, warming, long-lasting, that warranted a 77. There you go. That's this distillery. There. It's tough. It's funny, on the words alone, it definitely sounded like it was more than a 77 if the other one was 76. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> I'm glad 100%. you bring that up. Um, so, Dave, Fuck. what are you thinking? And, and even if you don't want to guess a distillery just yet, what are you tuning into in those descriptions? Italy was one right. thing that I tuned into, and that sent Same. me down the Speyside distillery that's in Rothers. Mm -hmm. As soon as and I read another... that line, I knew this was going to be in the game because it totally <laughs> blows it up. Because it just straight, straight down there. But then I was thinking, wow, is it? Is it? Mm. But that linen, that linen sort of comes through and then that heather. And that takes me out towards Aberdeen. And there was a distillery that I think that was a little bit earlier that closed. And there was a silent period for a number of distilleries in the 80s. Crikey, so many yep. of them that yes. were silent and, you know, one of my favourite distilleries. And then Gordon McFowell came in to it, and that's with their distillery mm. label series. But I just don't know if it's going to be that one that's my favourite one, if it is. Um, so, yeah, I'm confused. Yeah. So, so I'm to reiterate confused. for your benefit, the, the 1967... Um, is the connoisseur's choice that he tasted. I, I don't want to be right. guilty of misleading you uh, uh, yes, in any yes, way. Yes, yes, yes. So I, I'm, Sam, I'm thinking Speyside, but, um, okay. but no. Okay. Many Sam, Sam knew what this was and then he bottled it. Sam, so there's a detail in here that has got Sam completely rethinking his original. What, well, the, uh, what, what, what the, has you rethinking this, Sam? The longer you spoke, the less I became or, 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 yeah I, I became less confident with every word that spilled from your gorgeous <laughs> tongue thank you uh, highland distillers and closed in the 80s and then the mention of grouse yeah okay that's good yeah, yeah. cuddy ooh wait a sec but the real clincher was langs and i'm choosing my fingers carefully <laughs> <laughs> so that oh, pulls it away from a certain finger uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. For our listeners at home, that was my fuck you finger. Um, <laughs> which pulls, sorry, what I was saying was, was the Cuddy and Grouse keeping in one stable of, of distilleries, and the Langs pulls it away from that. Not that I know what that is, but it definitely yep. cancels out those ones for me. 
Um, and then the other thing you said right off the bat, I think, was uh, flax. Uh-huh. And there was something else he said. I wrote, I wrote Sathcloth and Hessian, but it's, that's not the one that brought me there. And then young, young and Italian. I can see a label, a yellow, very plain label with brown writing that starts the letter G. And that's probably where I'm going to guess if, if uh, we're all guessing at the end of this. Okay. Okay, Joshua, let's hear your working. And then I'm going to come back and go distillery, distillery, distillery from each of the three of you. Joshua, okay. what's your working? Okay. Well, so I had a few things to consider. Um, I thought I, I thought I was going down one direction until until you mentioned coastal sand dunes. Oh, okay, wait a second, coastal sand dunes. That that that's pulling me away. Is are, you know is there some sort of peak going on in there that that's allowing you to uh, to give that note? And then I started thinking, okay, the distillery was completely rebuilt in 1960. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So many and, and then I got to thinking, well, I know, I know a distillery on Isla had a bit of a rebuild, but I can't remember the year off the top of my head. Oh, and... Fuck. A lot of them were built in 63. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there you go. And, and then the Italian, right? The, the Italian thing in the five year statement, like, okay, okay. But, but, but no age statement. No age. Oh, no age statement. No No age statement. statement. Okay. Um, Although I I, I will say what, what you're quoting is um, there has been the odd bottling of a single ball at five to seven years, but with no age statement primarily for Italy. Okay. But yeah, the the label itself, no age statement. And then the whole time that that you you're reading everything off, just watching Sam like writhe <laughs> in his chair, like what? I oh, love this. Like this whole thing has been like wonderfully delicious to listen to and to watch. Um, I, 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 I looked up just as I was delivering peaches. And saw like a storm cloud pass across <laughs> Sam's <laughs> eyes. Like, where the hell did peaches come from and all of that? So, is it, um, is it a Glen? Is it a Glen? Yes. I'm, I'm oh, not going think, to say. Oh, yeah. I, I, I think I have say. an idea. I think okay. I have an idea. Okay. I'm going to keep the same order. written down. Yeah. yeah. D- Dave, give us, give us a distillery. Just well, I told you I was down the Glen Grant route for a little while, um, mm-hmm. and and then I thought the connoisseur's choice, the, the Gordon McFarland, and I think could it be Glen Tockers? They mm-hmm. closed for a little while. When were they founded? I can't remember. I can't mm-hmm. remember if it was, I thought it was a little bit lighter than eighteen seventy five, and 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 Glen Geary, but that's earlier, much much earlier. Glen Geary, that was when the Heather came in. But I thought no, no, they were mm-hmm. much mm-hmm. earlier. But there was. There's a number of distilleries that were closed, but I don't remember being rebuilt. Yeah. And the sand dunes. The sand dunes. Okay. Give us one. If you had to hang that beautiful hat on one. (laughs) Glenn Glassock, because of what Rachel Barry was going on about a little while about the sand dunes and the... uh, Is it? Is it? Glenn Glassock. Okay. Okay. We've got one entry. Glenn Glasser from Dave. Sam? I took a picture of it a little while ago. I'm so glad I got that text from Dave just in time. Yes, I'm also going to say Glenn Glass. I'm just kidding. I've got no phone. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that, 
<laughs> I'm like, wait a second. No, close in the eighties. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, and the other clues were you would uh, Langs. I'm gonna say the same. I'm gonna say Glenn Glassa. Okay, Joshua, we've got two entries. Gosh, it's so funny. I hadn't even considered Glenn Glassa until you mentioned Glenn. See, this, this is why I thought about people writing it on a piece of paper and just holding it to the screen at the same time. Yeah, I should do that next round. That's um, good. Tell me, there's another so, round. We, it's yeah. the fucking best. So we got. You're going to yeah. have to bag for a second, right? So Joshua, here's Joshua's thinking right now. If I name something that they haven't and I'm right, yeah. I am going to be <laughs> so fucking brilliant. But if I name something that those two haven't and they're right, I'm going to look really foolish with my guess. This so, is what he's weighing up right now. Well, he, it's, you know, this, this is the tough bit. Being, you know, the... Th- the, the third smartest person amongst uh, this group here. Um, I'm not including you, Jason. Um, I was going to say, so- I don't know who just got demoted to fourth there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I hadn't considered Glenn Glassa, and now it really does seem the most likely. And... The fact that it was shuttered in the 80s. Yeah. Of course, it went through a few periods of being open and closed and open and closed. But I don't remember if it was completely rebuilt. Mother <laughs> brother. Um, yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to say Glenn Glass. I'm going to say Glenn Glass. I'm going to say Glenn Glass as well. <laughs> I'm, I'm taking like the wimps. I did want to say Glenn Geary. I really did want to say Glenn yeah. Geary be- because of that coastal yeah. sand dune and the I'll fact that they used... They used a bit of peat. However, mm-hmm. they always had a jalapeno pepper note in there, and I didn't hear him mention jalapeno pepper. Um, so I don't know if Michael Jackson knew what a jalapeno pepper was in 1989. <laughs> oh, he knew. I don't think, think they made it over by then. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Re- wreaked havoc on his body. Oof. The two. The two. <laughs> the two sentences that I omitted. I'm going to read in reverse order. <laughs> The distillery is between the Spey and the and the River Deveron, just a little yeah. closer to the latter. Aye. This is a seaside malt produced yeah. near Portsoy on the coast yeah. of <laughs> Speyside. Coast. Nice, Dave. Yeah, you helped me with that, Dave. You pointed that out. I missed that. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Glenglassa Distillery. Brilliant, yes. chaps. Yep. Absolutely wow. brilliant. Wow. Um, I, I know guns. I did have a second one in the barrel, but I'm afraid we have to call an end. I didn't want to cut short everything we were doing with that first one, um, but I'm going to save the... I've got another one that I'll pull out with Joshua. Excuse me while I whip this out. <laughs> but th- that went... Easy. Even better than I could have imagined, and I imagined it was going to be brilliant. It's a great game. That's really clever. <laughs> great game. So that was awesome. really, really clever. Yeah. I awesome. can't so what? Way. Go on. I had Bunner, I had Bunner going down, Carty Sark, and, and Glen Rothers, and you know, all the Glens. Oh, yeah, that really helped what, what I was hoping for, and when you started talking about it, Joshua, for that 1960s rebuild, and you started saying, well, yeah. sand dunes and... I thought somebody would start thinking Kalila, although Kalila was a 1970s mm-hmm. rebuild, the 1960s kind of, you know, and I think when you know the name of the distillery, all of the years seem really obvious. 
And so it was pretty good watching the three of you that when you don't know the distillery, those years are like, well, yeah, there was a bunch in the mid-80s. And yes, there was a lot of rebuilding in the 60s. Was it 60 itself? That's, that I learned a lot from doing that with you, chap. So sincere thanks. Sincere thanks. It's been, yeah, this has been brilliant, brilliant having you on. You should both come on much more often. The fact it took this many months to get you here... Um, I, I at least want to be speaking to you two once a year. Well, why don't we just start a whole new podcast? You guys have enough of those yet? Or? My wife will fucking kill me, is the God's <laughs> honest truth. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks once again and ever so much to to the wonderful Sam and Dave. Um, it, it was such a treat sitting down with you both again, talking a bit about whiskey, learning from you both, and playing the game. That was, you know, I liked being able to play along with you. And I'm hoping, Jason, <laughs> I'm hoping, Jason, that that you may hand the reins to me at some point because I want to see you in the hot seat. I want to. I want to see you guess, and I want to see you deal with the head fakes. We'll have a chance. We'll have a chance to do that. I've got some other plans up my sleeve. Is that where one stores plans up one sleeve? Yeah, in the wizard's sleeve. Oh, that's the trouble. All your plans fall out of your of your wizard's sleeve. <laughs> you need a bit of elastic on your wizard's you, you sleeve. You need a little bit of a yeah, a little tightening, as they say. <laughs> Uh, so, so that's it. Today has come and gone. It has come and gone. Jason, I'm going to raise my glass to you. Cheers. I'm going to raise my glass to Sam and Dave and to our listeners. And I think that's it. I'm done raising glasses. I tell you, I couldn't raise my glass any farther. If I raise it any farther, I'm going to find that sausage. So let's get out of here. (laughs) Cheers. Cheers. Boom. Boom, boom, shakalaka laka boom, 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 shakalaka boom, boom. Monday, April 11, 2022. Was that a song for you in the... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Do the dinosaur? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. What, what, I would say what year, what decade was that? I don't know, because there, there was a remake of it. Uh, and so now I'm confused, you know, because <laughs> everybody do the dinosaur. I don't know. When were dinosaurs really big? Ooh, every decade. <laughs> Every. <laughs> they were biggest when they were alive. And don't take my word for it. Here's the word of a three-year-old. <laughs> I like Stegosaurus. <laughs> All right. We're going to do elephants or dinosaurs? We are. You ready? Okay. Uh, elephants or dinosaurs? Oh, let's do dinosaurs. Oh, I like that. <laughs> Uh, All right, let's not fuck it up. All right, here we go. Pressure time. And one One dinosaur, dinosaur, two two dinosaur, three dinosaur, four dinosaur, five dinosaur. dinosaur. (laughs) Not too bad for a couple of dinosaurs.
I'm so glad you're embracing this. It makes me so happy. <laughs> Ever since I have, it's that's been it. Like I'm I'm pricing out coffins, you know, I'm I'm doing the whole the whole thing. What's what's the Emperor Palpatine like? Let it flow through you. <laughs> yes, <laughs> embrace your hate. Grab your saber. Strike me down. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that now that now that you're going along with the old geezer stuff, like let it flow through you. <laughs> oh God, I was feeling so young until I wasn't. 